0: Uh, and this is Romans 15, 13. Uh, it says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Um, and so first of all, you know, the hope comes from the Lord. Amen. Hope is not based upon uh, your economic circumstances, your natural circumstances. Uh, God is the God of hope. Amen. And he can fill you with all joy. So not just some joy, but he can fill you with all joy. And really, the church ought to be people full of joy, all joy, right? Not just some joy, but all joy and peace. Amen. You know, the church ought to be people of peace, at, at peace all the time. You know, not anxious, not worried and fretful, and, but just full of peace. Amen. But he says uh, he will fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So that's kind of the key right there, right? So if we're living in a situation where there's not joy, where there's not hope and there's not peace you might want to check on uh, what's the believing level right now in your life amen Uh, and he said that you may abound in hope you know hope is a confident expectation that god's going to do what he says he's going to do amen Uh, and uh, do we have a confident expectation that he's going to do what he says he's going to do see that's hope amen Uh, that means he's going to do it Uh, and he says through the power of the holy ghost and of course that word power there is a supernatural miracle working power of god so all of these things come about because the 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 Spirit of God is full of supernatural miracle work and power. and if he, re- and if he is, and he, of course he is, well, we know he is, but uh, some, sometimes in the church we don't get that memo or we forget that, the, that uh, the Holy Ghost is full of supernatural miracle work and power. But if we'll believe that, because you said it's in believing uh, of the power of the Holy Spirit, if we'll believe in the supernatural miracle work and power of the Holy Spirit, then we can be filled with all joy, we can abound in hope, uh, and we can have peace. Amen. That's a pretty good deal. Amen. I think that's a pretty good deal. Uh, The world has no concept of what that means about living in with all joy and full of hope and full of peace. Amen. Uh, Because they don't know anything about believing in the power of the Holy Spirit. So uh, so I just want to encourage you about that, that we have the right to live uh, and abound in hope um, and be full of all joy. Amen. Uh, And so let's stand and greet each other for just a minute and we'll get into praise and worship. I don't know of any better news than God wants to heal you. Amen. And it's hard to get out and tell people the good news if we're all in bed, not able to get out of bed. Amen. It just makes it a little bit uh, more difficult. Amen. Uh, And so um, we're not mad at anybody for, you know, we don't condemn anybody, obviously, for for being sick. (laughs) That'd be kind of silly. Uh, But uh, we just want people to know that God desires for them to be well. Amen. Uh, Every day, all day long. You know, Moses, how old was Moses when he died? He's 120, right? He's 120 years old. The Bible said that his, his eyes were not dim and his natural force was not abated. Amen. He was as strong at 120 as he was. You know, he started in ministry. How old was he when he started the ministry? Anybody remember? He was 80, right? I mean, he sort of started when he was 40, but he backslid for 40 years, you know. But, you know, that's a lot of backsliding right there, you know, 40 years. But uh, uh, he started when he was 80. You know, most people are, are you know, relaxing when they're 80, right? Uh, In fact, the Lord had come to, uh, spoke to Lester Summerall when he was about 80 years old. He said, I want you to go buy a boat and travel around the world and and bring food to children. Uh, Tell them about my my good news. And he said, well, Lord, I'm 80 years old. You know, I'm, I'm planning on slowing down instead of speeding up. And, you know, why don't you give this job to somebody else? He said, well, I can trust you. Other people get that in their hands and they turn it into their thing, right? How many times have you seen that happen? I mean, you can go through ministry after ministry that started out in in God's plan you know and we're not mad at anybody but I think one a great example is is uh, um, uh, the Salvation Army anybody read after William Booth you know he's one that he was a general they, uh, they actually had rank it was actually uh, I don't know it wasn't obviously a, a real army but um, he was a general and uh, he was on fire for God you know he set up uh, trucks on a flatbed trucks on the corner of the street and preach the gospel get people saved born again filled with the holy spirit amen they were filling people with the holy spirit baptized the holy spirit and um now they shake bells at at walmart you know and and again i'm not i'm not mad at nobody you know but you think about uh, how far they came you know and a lot of it is because men got a hold of it well what we can do is turn this into a you know a a fundraising thing and we'll you know send blankets and and uh, bibs to people and people need blankets and bibs but they need to go to heaven Amen. I mean, who cares if uh, they're warm and die and go to hell? Amen. They'll be really warm when they go there. Right. Uh, and so um, anyway, praise God. We're, we're not mad at anybody. You know, it just it's but you can if you're a student of history, you can see how anytime men get a hold of any move of God, they will burn it to the ground and turn it into the moose lodge as fast as they can. Right. They'll get rid of all the power of God. They'll get rid of all. I mean, you look at the YMCA, you know, uh, what does YMCA stand for? young men's christian association right now it's young men's unless you feel like you're a girl association then you can be a girl you know and then i mean then the boy scouts right the boy scouts you know god and country and now it's boy scouts and and well if you're a girl you come in too now they're you know i don't know how you be a boy scout and be a girl except of course in today's society you can do that because we're crazy but uh uh, I'm not crazy, but people are crazy. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm fine. You know, I, but, you know, you know, I used to think I was normal, but normal means there's other people like you. Yeah, sometimes I wonder about the, uh, the world. Right. And so um, but um, anyway, that uh, um, uh, we will stay the course. You know, I was thinking about um, uh, all the attacks against the church, you know, all these crazy things, all the transgender stuff, you know, all the insanity. I mean, just absolutely insane stuff going on in the church, you know. Uh, and um, uh, you know the the thing that the church we have to always guard against is compromise is the poison of the church. Mm-hmm. Compromise will poison the power of God faster than anything. As soon as we start compromising, well, it's it's okay. God loves everybody. as long as you love each other, it's fine, right? Uh, but you know, really, that's not even true because if you love, if you really love somebody, you would not want them to be in sin yes. because sin will destroy their lives. Amen. And so, by accepting people's sin. Now, it's not that you've got to beat them up and, and condemn them. You know, that is not the plan of God either. In fact, he said in Galatians 6, 1 to restore people right that are in sin. He didn't say condemn them and beat them up. So we're, we're in the business of restoration. Amen. Mm-hmm. We're restoring our building next door. Right. Because that's just what we do. Right. We restore things. And so um, uh, so it's not that we condemn people at all. In fact, you should never condemn somebody in sin. Amen. Uh, when you find somebody in sin, first thing you should do is, Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, where can I extend mercy? That's that's the type of thing you should ask the Lord, right? Where can I extend mercy? Uh, And and so, but compromise is the great poison of the church. Uh, When you start going from, you know, all of this is wrong to, well, it's not that wrong, you know, to, well, it's okay. Well, we embrace it. Well, let's promote it. You know, that's the way that that's the way the church has gone over the years uh, going from, well, that's just wrong uh, to, well, we totally embrace it and we approve of it, you know. Uh, that's, uh, and, and you don't think any church, every church will get that way if they start going down the... the okay. uh, and so we don't, comp- you know, Jesus never compromised, not a single time. Amen. He said this was sin, but did he condemn the, the woman caught in the very act of adultery? No. She was caught in the very act of adultery. Now, I want to know who, the, who the, the the people that were watching, you know, for that, you know, and what, you know what's the, they've got some sin they've got to deal with too, right? None of their business what's going on in somebody's bedroom, but uh, um, how'd they catch her to begin with, right? And where's the guy? I mean, you know. Was he in on it? You know, we don't know. I suspect he was in on it, you know, but I don't know. Uh, And the whole thing wasn't about her. It was about Jesus. They were trying to set Jesus up, right? The whole point was to was to catch Jesus in a in a catch 22 circumstance to then uh, turn him over to the Romans. So anyway, Jesus, did Jesus ever condemn anybody? You know, in fact, they called him a friend of sinners. Uh, You know, it's I got no problem being around sinners uh, at all, Uh, uh, but I'm not going to compromise being around them question for you is can you be around them and not compromise if you can't be around them but don't compromise and you can't compromise then don't be around them until you're to the point where you can help them amen because if they're helping you that's the wrong direction amen if they're in sin all they need is help from the lord amen uh and so uh so got to be careful don't compromise amen um and uh people will not be your best friend if you choose not to compromise amen some people will not like that uh and there's just always people that You know, they're so unhappy that their goal is to get you to compromise. Uh, There's just certain people that that uh, they they can't just leave everything alone. They've got to go make you compromise and they got to go diminish your spiritual walk with the Lord. Uh, And and that's of the devil, right? Of course, it's of the devil. But um, uh, there are people out there who just, you know, they'll smile and wink and tell you they love you and tell you you're your best friend and tell you that, you know, hey, you know, um, I'm for you 100 percent as long as you compromise, right? Uh, and, and so, um, and of course, that's, that's a terrible deal, but um, um, I wouldn't take it, you know. Uh, and so I have, have, have had a lot of acquaintances leave over the years from me in my life because I won't, I won't compromise. But um, I like what Jesus said uh, when they all left him. Uh, he said, I'm never alone. The father's always with me. You know, if they all leave me, I'm never alone. Uh, the father, he's always with me. And he's always been with me. He'll always be with me. Amen. So I'm good. Amen. So let's open up our Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter five. Uh, we'll get started today. We we won't get uh, too far in it because um, um, uh, we don't have a whole lot of time left today. Uh, but that's all right. Are we going anywhere going to be anywhere else on Sunday morning? No. So we're fine. Right. So um, You know, Brother Randy messed everything up, right? He preached all of his message in 20 minutes. You know, I'm I'm thinking he, you know, he started out, he said, open up to Matthew chapter five. He's got, I bet he's going to do the Beatitudes. He started to be, I bet he's going to do them all, right? he did, you know, he did nine Beatitudes in 20 minutes. You know, that's like two and a half minutes, less than two and a half minutes per Beatitude. I can't even read the Beatitudes in two and a half minutes, you know, and so uh, it's funny. Uh, But uh, we all, we need each other, amen? Uh, and so it says here that Jesus opened his mouth and taught them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So we talked a lot about poor in spirit, right? That uh, uh, I, I think one of the best examples was Job, because he had to find his path to being poor in spirit. He was. Was he a good man? He was a good man. So see, that tells us that because we all of times think, well, poor, if they're not poor in spirit, they must be a terrible person, you know, not very godly. No, he was. The, in fact, he was the greatest man in the East, as the Bible said. Best example of being a follower of Jehovah in the Old Testament at that point in time in his area. And yet he was not poor in spirit. It took him 42 chapters to figure out how to be poor in spirit. But he found it. Amen. Amen. And when he found it, uh, you know, being poor in spirit, in essence, just says, Lord, I need you. And there's nothing I can do without you. Uh, And if you can get to that attitude in your heart, it doesn't matter how talented you are, doesn't matter how intelligent you are, you know, uh, uh, a lot of times, when people be, uh, have great talents and great intelligence, uh, it's really hard for them to be poor in spirit, because they're so full of themselves. They're so full of "look what I can do," yeah. and and, uh, and maybe compared to your peers, you are you do stand above them, right? Maybe compared to your peers, you are smarter than them, or, or you're more talented than them, or you're more capable than, than than they are. But that's not our measurement. Our measurement is God in heaven. Compared to God in heaven, we're all just dirt, right? Dust and clay made out of nothing. Amen. And when you, when you believe that, see, that's when you're really poor in spirit. When you get up and lo- Lord, I have to have you to breathe. I have to have you every day of my life. Uh, there's nothing I can accomplish in this earth without your ability and power. That's poor in spirit. It took Job a long time to get there, but he got there. Amen. And he, of course, you know, he didn't have the advantage that we have of having all the books of the Bible there to teach us and the Spirit of God on the inside of us. Uh, but he got there, amen? Mm-hmm. And, and, and really, in this context, being poor in spirit is when the sinner get, realizes they need a Savior, see, that's when they're really poor in spirit. A lot of people are not poor in spirit. That's why they won't come into the kingdom of heaven. They think that they can get to heaven by their good works or because God's got to be merciful and overlook their sin and whatever, whatever, whatever. whatever. Um, they're not poor in spirit. And, well, I can get. I, I do it on my own. You can't do it on your own, right? It doesn't matter how good you are, or smart you are. Uh, you can't do it on your own. But the context of this is to, is to accept the Lord as a Savior, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So that's what you get when you get to the point and you realize that, that you need God for everything, and especially in first and foremost a Savior. See, then you've arrived at being poor in spirit, and the Lord gives you what? The entire kingdom of heaven. That's a pretty good trade, right? All you got to do is say yes, and he gives you the entire kingdom of heaven. Now, once we're saved, we should always maintain an attitude of being poor in spirit all the time. Amen? We should never think, wow, I'm really somebody. Uh, you know, when you get to that point, you've got big troubles, right? Uh, we, we talked about, blessed are they that mourn, and, and they, for they shall be comforted. And that was an unusual one because in, in the nine uh, blessings and the Beatitudes here, this is really only the, kind of the negative one, something that you don't really try to do, something that you really don't want to do but something that you will do as long as you live in this life. Uh, And part of the reason why Jesus said that is because in this life, until the end of time comes and Jesus resets everything back to the way it was originally designed to be, there will be mourning in this earth. Amen. There's mourning because there's sin in the earth. There's mourning because there is death in this earth. There's mourning because there's sickness in this earth. There's mourning because uh, the earth is not lined up with the perfect will of God. And until that happens, There will be mourning. And he said, uh, uh, when that happens, uh, you will be comforted. Amen. Uh, And uh, we talked about what being comforted means is when the Lord comes down and sits down beside you. You ever had uh, been in mourning and somebody just comes, sits down beside you and and puts their arm around you. You know, a lot of times that's all you need. You know, you don't need, you know, a sermon. You don't need hands laid on you. You just need somebody to come sit down beside you. And and I was thinking about when, when I was studying this. About, you know, years ago when my pastor uh, went home to be with the Lord in 2007, uh, we were there at the funeral home and uh, this one pastor, uh, he passed. It's like 5000 people in his church. And he came down uh, and, and sat down beside me and just talked to me for, I don't know, 10 to 15, 20 minutes just because he knew my pastor over the years. And we'd been to his church many times to visit, to help out different things. And he didn't really know me, but uh, he knew my pastor and he'd seen me around a few times, but he sat down and, and just spent time just talking to me and comforting uh, me. And it was a comfort just for him to be there. Amen. Uh, and and so Jesus said uh, there is comfort. Amen. Uh, a lot of times people will end up with days and weeks and years of grief and mourning. And they never seem to find their way out. But Jesus said, if you mourn, there's what? There's comfort. Amen. So that should bring us hope in, in that area. Amen. Uh, and so uh, and then he Uh, Then then he goes down to verse five and he said, blessed are the meek, uh, for they shall inherit the earth. Uh, And um, uh, in in this one here, he he changes gears a little bit. Uh, Meekness uh, is uh, a fruit of the spirit. Amen. Uh, And so we're going to talk a a little bit about this uh, because uh, this can be helpful. And years ago, I had a friend of mine uh, ask me, why is it wrong to be meek? Why does the Bible say that it's wrong to be meek? I thought that was a really, you know, does the Bible say anywhere that it's wrong to be meek? In fact, it says it's a good thing to be meek right here. Right. But this is the verse that he was talking about. He uh, he was he was confused about this verse. Uh, I said, well, why do you say it's wrong to be meek? He said, well, clearly inheriting the earth would be a bad thing because the earth is a mess. So it must be a punishment for being meek. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he 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 needed a little help there. Right. Uh, So in his mind, he thought that, well, God is going to punish us by here. You take this terrible thing. Uh, And um, uh, and that's your that's your punishment for being meek. So no, is it a punishment for being meek? No, it's not a punishment for being meek. It's a good thing to be meek. In fact, remember all of these things. There's really two blessings in every one of these uh, beatitudes. One is, first of all, that you're blessed if you do this thing. Secondly, he gives us a specific area of blessing that we're going to receive by that. But the word blessed is an all encompassing blessing. It encompasses every area of your life, spirit, soul and body, uh, financial, physical health, uh, uh, relations, everything. It, it's its a huge word. It's a big word. And the Lord said, if you will, will obey me, all of these things belong to you. And then he gives us several specific things. In this case, uh, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Uh, and that and, uh, that is a quote really from the book of Psalms. Of course, the Lord, a lot of what he taught came from the Old Testament. Amen. A lot of things that were direct quotes from the Old Testament. This one is uh, as well. This one comes from Psalm uh, 37, verse 10 says, for yet a little while and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. So the Lord is just is quoting from this prophecy from um, the Old Testament. And he said, it's good to be meek. So why are we going to inherit the earth? Well, he said that he told us what it meant in verse 10, that uh, the wicked are, are here right now, but at some point they're not going to be here. Mm-hmm. So if the wicked are gone and, and we're the only ones left and who then then we inherit whatever's here. Right. So that means uh, this is talking about a future state when uh, if we'll follow the Lord to stay in his in his path, then he will remove all the wicked from the earth and they'll just be the meek people on the earth left behind. Uh, and so that means that, that, that it's ours, right? So all of the people that are there that are outside the church today that are not going to follow the, the Lord, they're on borrowed time, right? Because the earth doesn't belong to them. The earth belongs to us. Amen. Uh, and so uh, we don't have it yet. But it, when they all get removed, then all of us uh, belongs to us. Uh, and, you know, it's interesting if you think about all the way back in the Garden of Eden when, when the Lord created Adam. Uh, what did the Lord tell Adam? What did the Lord give, uh, give him command to do? Uh, what's that? What'd you say? Subdue, Subdue the earth, right? Uh, and, uh, and have dominion, right? Uh, and so, uh, so he gave him authority to run the whole earth, right? So who was in charge of the whole earth? Adam, right? And of course, that, that was the whole issue, right? Uh, but the question is, did Adam actually own the earth? No, the who owned the earth. The Lord owns the earth. In fact, he says many times uh, we read uh, Psalm 37, but in Psalm 24. He said that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell in. So all of the earth still belongs. to. The Lord. he never transferred ownership, did he, to Adam? He transferred authority to Adam to run it. You know, you ever own something and have somebody manage your stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, that's what the Lord did. Right. They don't own the stuff. They just manage the stuff. Uh, and so. Uh, So even when Adam fell and then Satan became Lucifer, became the God of this world, he became the God of this world from a from an authority standpoint, not from an ownership standpoint. Right. He doesn't own anything. He's here. Now, now when the Lord Jesus came, then all the authorities was reverted back to Jesus. And now uh, the devil is still called the God of this world, but he does it as a criminal element. Right. He has no legal authority to do anything he did because Adam fell until Jesus came. But now he does whatever he does as a as a criminal element in the earth. Uh, uh, so the earth has always remained the Lord's. He created it. It's his. Amen. Uh, and in fact, he says many times that uh, in Psalm 89, he says the heavens are thine. The earth also is thine as for the world and the fullness thereof. Thou hast founded them. And then, uh, of course, Paul uh, quotes this in 1 Corinthians 10. He says, for the Lord earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So everything, every piece of dirt, every every grass, every tree uh, belongs to the Lord. Amen. Uh, and at some point in time in the future, he's going to transfer that ownership of the earth into us. The meek shall inherit the earth. It becomes ours. So He will transfer ownership. And when that happens, uh, I'm assuming that will happen after, uh, according to Psalm 37, after the wicked are gone. So that's going to happen after the tribulation, after the, you know, because the because we're going to be here on this earth, right? Then there'll be the rapture. The church will leave the earth for a period of time. Uh, there'll be seven years of tribulation. And then uh, after seven years of tribulation, then Jesus is going to come back to the earth and reign on the earth for a thousand years. Uh, and then uh, finally, after a thousand years, then the devil is dealt with and death is dealt with permanently. Uh, and I suspect that, uh, that that's when the ownership will transfer because Jesus will be on the earth reigning for a thousand years. After that, then uh, he's going to transfer ownership of the earth uh, to the meek of the earth. Amen. Uh, And so so I want to spend a a little bit of time talking about uh, uh, what does it mean to be meek? Right. What does that mean? So meekness is a fruit of the spirit. We know according to Galatians chapter five, uh, it says in verse 22, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, longsuffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against such there is no law. So meekness is a fruit of the spirit. So it's a spiritual attitude, right? It's a spiritual um, uh, uh, fruit of the spirit. Amen. Uh, And so how do we develop meekness? Uh, And so we need to find out uh, what meekness is, right? Meekness is the fruit of the spirit. So, uh, and we could teach, you know, a long time just on this one topic here. We won't spend uh, weeks and months on here, but uh, we will will spend a little time uh, talking about meekness because meekness... uh, Jesus covers this one fruit of the spirit in the nine Beatitudes here. Meekness is one of the, the most important fruits that you can develop uh, if you want to be successful as a as a child of God. Uh, and so, uh, of course, a lot of times when people think of their meek, they think that they kind of uh, people that are kind of, uh, I don't know, not not very uh, authoritative, you know, not very um, uh, opinionated or, or, you know, kind of easily swayed and, you um, you know, that's not really meekness at all, because Jesus was was very meek, wasn't he? Amen. Uh, but what does meekness mean? Uh, well, there's a lot of definitions. One, a common de- definition is you hear that meekness is a teachable spirit. But if you if you go do a little bit of research, you kind of keep backing up a little further. And really, uh, the best definition that I like, I personally like is meekness is a quiet spirit, because if you have a quiet spirit, then you are teachable. Uh, And uh, and so uh, my uh, the definition I always go with is meekness is a quiet spirit Uh, and uh, you have power under control. uh, And um, uh, in order to to develop that meekness, we have to develop uh, an act of faith prior to that, which is going to be humility. So we'll we'll talk a little bit about how how do we become meek? How do we uh, learn how to uh, how to develop the fruit of meekness in our life? Uh, but I wanted to, to, to spend just a couple minutes here talking about uh, what do we do with meekness? So if you if you have a quiet spirit, see, that's the fruit of the spirit that you want to develop. You want to be able to be a person who, who has a quiet spirit. And that's a fruit of of your endeavors as a child of God to grow in the Lord. Amen. Uh, you know, a lot of times uh, if and the Lord told me this one time, he said, if you could just pop open their head, you know, just kind of, pop, you know, see what's going on the, on the inside. It looks like a hurricane, right? And so you just kind of put it quietly and walk away, right? Because you just like, you know, and and so, and that's the way a lot of people are. You may, they don't see anything on the outside, but the inside, it's just turmoil, right? Hurricanes and tornadoes and earthquakes. On the outside, they may just look like this, but on the inside, it just, you know, I mean, just uh, insanity, right? Uh, But on the outside, you'd never know. Well, that's not meekness, right? Uh, uh, Meekness is if you open it up, it's just it's quiet, right? Just really quiet. That's the way, that's, that's where you want to be as a child. That's where you can be as a child of God, right? Some people that have no, uh, when you say, when you say I did look at you like, because your mind is a thousand miles an hour every day, right? It's just all the time, you know? In fact, uh, the Lord showed me this about my pastor one time. He, I, you know, I, was, I always watched my pastor. all I watched what he did. I watched how he operated. I watched how he ministered. I, I, I just watched him, you know, because he he was my spiritual father, and I needed to learn from him. I needed, to, uh, and so he was just sitting on the front row one day, just you know, before church, is kind of, you know, people were milling around, but nobody was talking to him. He's just on the front row, and the Lord said, uh, "You know what he's thinking about right now?" I thought, like, "No, Lord, what, what's he thinking about right now?" You know, I thought it'd be some great deep revelation. You know, he said nothing. <laughs> like really, is that possible? Right, I mean, you know, you got nothing. You know, you think, you, who can do that, right? You can sit there and just think about nothing, right? Uh, and and um, in fact, we had a, um, we went up to Pigeon Forge one time. They had this little, this little thing is like a game, right? You you sit on both ends of this table. One person sits at one end, one person sits at the other, and you put this little machine on your head, and it measures your brain activity, right? Uh, and uh, and so the, the goal of the game was whoever can be the calmest, the most would win the game, right? So if you had uh, real calm, then then it would, you know, the little meter would go to, to your side. And then if it got far enough, you won the game, right? And so my wife challenged me in the game. thought, I can do this, you know, no problem, right? I, I mean, I'd be calm, you know, I'm Mr. Calm all the time, you know. And yeah, and uh, so we put the little things on there and they turned the a little meter and, and it it, uh, it just went straight to mine, <laughs> you know, because she was just, it looked like flatline, like, you know, we had to call the paramedics, you know, check her out, make sure she's okay, right? Because it's just nothing, right? Just nothing there. And, you know, mine just up and down, up and down, up and down, you know. And, uh, and, uh, uh, and so, you know, it shows you that uh, sometimes you think you, you've got it, you know, but there's always work to do, amen? And, and so, you know, being meek has the ability, to, the fruit of that, you have the ability to be quiet on the inside, right? Uh, and that's, that's going to be really important because we're going to look at uh, uh, one of my favorite Characters in the whole world is my friend Moses. We won't get to him today, I don't think, but uh, we're going to look at uh, uh, because what does the Bible say about Moses? He was the meekest man on the earth. What does that mean, right? He was the leader of Israel, and yet he was meek, right? Because sometimes people think, well, meek people can't be leaders. He was the meekest man on the earth and the greatest leader uh, of the of the Old Testament, I believe. You know, Uh, and so meekness. uh, Let's look at a couple of things. Let's turn over to Galatians chapter six. So meekness is a fruit or result of, of uh, your endeavors to walk with the Lord. Uh, and so, um, so there are things that you have to do in your life to develop meekness, just like any fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't come just with age. It doesn't come just by attending church. It doesn't come just by being alive a certain amount of time. It comes about by you choosing to, to do certain things in your life. Uh, and we're going to look at that uh, as we go on. But I wanted to lay a groundwork of what meekness is so that you can have a goal and a desire to do that, to develop that in your life. Uh, And so Galatians chapter six, this is a great verse. In fact, we mentioned it earlier today. Uh, He says in verse one, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. So meekness, uh, one of the the values of uh, uh, meekness is being able to deal with others. Amen. And so. Uh, if you see your brother overtaken at a fault, first thing you should do is go break his kneecap, right? Mm-hmm. Go take his sins and tell everybody in the church about it, right? Uh, find out what he's done and gossip to everybody else about it. Is that what you should do? Stand up and condemn him to death uh, for his sins. Is that what we should do? What's he say? Uh, restore such a one, right? Who's the only one qualified to do this? Ye which are what? Spiritual. Spiritual, right? So if the first thing comes out of your mouth is shoot him in the kneecap, uh, you're probably not qualified to help restore this person, right? Uh, uh, you know, a lot of times people, uh, I've seen Christians get so mad when they find other Christians in sin. I mean, just mad, like, you know, fighting mad, like, you know, condemn them and burn them and, and uh, shoot their dog and, you know, steal their cat. I mean, just mean about it. Uh, and, and I mean, I had one person uh, come to me they were talking about somebody else in the church. And, oh, we need to, you know, all these things. I mean, just so mad. Why are you mad? I mean, Have have they done anything to you? They ain't done anything to you. So why are you mad? You know, I understand that, you know, there's a a, a righteous anger that can come up sometimes, you know. But my righteous anger, it only gets riled up when I see people harm other people, right? When I see the innocent get harmed. You know, that that really riles me up. But someone just going out and doing garden variety sinning, you know. I mean, why am I going to be mad about that? You know, it's on them, not on me. Uh, And and so besides that, if I'm mad, uh, how am I going to be quiet on the inside? Because if they're mad on the outside, where are they also mad at? Mad on the inside, right? And what's going on, on the inside? Thoughts of, well, you know, we've got we to do this and we've got to, you know, do that. And you know, we're going to uh, and just just uh, 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 he said, um, you which are spiritual, of course. So that eliminates a whole bunch of the church right there. Right. You which are spiritual. So only the spiritual ones ought to be helping these folks restore such a one in a spirit of meekness. So what's the goal? When you find your brother in a sin, is restoration is punishment the goal? Is is bring them up in front of the whole church the goal? To to uh, is confrontation the goal? Uh, is intervention the goal? No. What's the goal? Restore. Were well, you just overlooking sin? I'm just doing what the word the word of God says to do. What? Restore. So wherever they are. So uh, so does the Bible approve of their sin? No, because it says wherever they are, they need to be somewhere else, right? To restore, right? So they where they're at's not good. Let's get them to where they need to be. That's what the what the word restore means to do, right? To restore them, put them where they need to be. Uh, but he says, you can only do it in a spirit of meekness. So uh, if you have a quiet spirit, see a quiet spirit when they see sin, what's their first thing that they think? Lord, what do you want to do? They don't have an opinion, right? Well, you should do this. Well, then that's an opinion. You know what my opinion is when I see somebody in a sin? Lord, what do you want to do? You want to give mercy on to Just you want me to say something You want me not say something, you know? I don't, I don't, have, an opinion. I don't even have a dog in the race. It's the Lord's uh, earth, right? It's not my earth. It's his earth. He's the king of everything. Uh, so why do I have such a strong opinion? Well, they are in sin, you know, and they're going to mess everything up. Well, why do you? Are you that fragile that you can't be around somebody that needs help? Some people act like you're just, oh, they're going to they're corrupt me. <laughs> I've got the power of the almighty God living inside. You cannot corrupt me. Amen. Uh, and, and so... Uh, Uh, You know, now this is the the, uh, he he is talking specifically about uh, the church, right? This is written to the church. Amen. Because, you know, you don't restore the world. If they're in sin, you get them saved. Amen. So he's talking about he's talking to the church about the church. Amen. So this is a good way that we should we should work on when we see our brother. So do we turn a blind eye? No, but see, uh, I can't tell you how many times the Lord has showed me that there's sin going on in the church uh, and uh, my first question first question, Lord is, Lord, what do you want me to do about it? Well, you need to do something about it as a pastor. Well, I am doing something about it. I'm finding out what the head of the church wants to do about it, amen? Uh, and I can't tell you how many times he said, just let it ride. Just, well, you don't want me to do nothing about it, Lord? No. Nope, just let it ride. And you know, uh, the vast majority of times, uh, it's taken care of. They will repent on their own and deal with it, Sometimes they leave the church, you know, and, and uh, that neither, neither one's on my on my side. It's all on their side. Right. Well, Why don't you deal with it? I did deal with it as a as a meek person. I don't have an opinion. I don't have a a a uh, requirement of what I have to do to help somebody when they're in sin. My response is, Lord, as the head of the church, what do you want me to do for this person? You know, and then that works not just as the pastor. That should work with all of us. Lord, I know my brother's in sin. What do you want me to do? Well, I'm going to go confront him. Well, maybe the Lord wants you to confront them, and that's fine. If the Lord says, you go confront them, well, no problem, right? But if, if your first reaction is, I'm going to go tell them and you know, confront them and, you know, blah, 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 that, that's not, that's not you, you were never quiet to begin with, right? If you've got a strong opinion, you're not quiet. A quiet person has no opinion, right? They're just, well, Lord, you know. And because usually the first question I ask the Lord after I ask him about what do you want me to do, I, said, I always say, Lord, uh, is there any way that I can extend mercy? Because uh, we'll talk about mercy later on, but um, um, is there any way that I can extend mercy? See, my first go-to is not shoot him, right? My first go-to is not First Corinthians five, where I'm going to hand him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Mm-hmm. If that's your first go-to, <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to kill him. Yeah. You know, Lord, kill him. That's your, I mean, you know, they just ate an extra brownie. I mean, that's that's. Uh, I mean, some people, yeah, burn them all. Uh, uh, and see, a meek person just doesn't have an opinion. A meek person just uh, realizes because they're also to will typically be poor in spirit. Lord, I, I don't know what to do here. You know what to do. Uh, what do you want me to do, Lord? Mm. See, so being meek is a great way to, to be a blessing to help others. Amen. Uh, in fact, uh, we're there in Galatians. Uh, just turn over one book there to Ephesians chapter four. He said, he um, said, Uh, In verse one, I, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called with all lowliness. In other words, lowliness is humility. So you'll a lot of times you'll find humility and meekness combined or or together in the same verses. Uh, You'll see that many times there Uh, with all lowliness uh, and meekness with long suffering, forbearing one another in what? Uh, In love. Right. So to forbear means to hold up. Right. To to. Hold each other up in love, right? Long suffering. So in dealing with people, uh, you know, long suffering is necessary, right? Uh, long suffering means that you've got to suffer for a long period of time. isn't it? That's kind of kind of kept an obvious statement there. But uh, you ever had to suffer a long period of time and trying to help somebody? Lord, will they ever repent? Will they ever get right with you? That's long suffering, right? Uh, here we go again, right? Uh, and it's not that you're trying to to uh, profess they're always going to mess up. But uh, there is long suffering in dealing with people. That's what he says. Long suffering, uh, forbearing one another in love. But you can only do that with uh, the long suffering and forbearance if you're both humble and meek. See, if you if you're really opinionated about how uh, uh, people's sins should be exposed publicly or people's sins should be dealt with in a certain way. And uh, well, that's Old Testament. You know, the, the, the law in the New Testament, when somebody's in sin and the question is, what should we do about it? The law in the New Testament is, it depends on what the Lord wants to do about it. That's the law in the New Testament. Old Testament is stone them, bury them, right? Kill a chicken for them something. I mean, there's some specific law in the Old Testament. And the New Testament is, let's see what the Lord wants to do. And he may say, be long-suffering and let it slide for a while, right? He may say, uh, restore them. They're, they're at the point right now where they want to be restored, uh, and um, I talked to a, a fellow one time. Uh, he was mad because well, he left the church, uh, the church that he was at, because the pastor rebuked him because now this is, he, this is what he said. Uh, you know, I can't tell you whether I really believe it or not. But he said there was a, a, a woman praying, you know, they had an altar up there and she was praying. And the Lord said, you go uh, confront her about her sin. And so he wasn't a pastor. You know, he just went up there and started confronting her about her sin uh and and um and of course i mean it's a shock she didn't receive it very well right uh and and so uh she's up praying uh, and he goes starts confronting her about her sin you know you're wrong with this you're wrong with that uh and, and so he's telling me well, what do you think about that when, you know i didn't tell him what i thought it was the stupidest thing i've ever heard but you know that's really what i really thought about it i said well did you talk to the pastor about that no well well why wouldn't you talk to the pastor about it it's his church right i mean you don't think he was been praying for that woman there? Maybe he knew also that she was in sin. And maybe he's been praying for her and the Lord hasn't, hasn't said yet to do something. And maybe, maybe there's more information there, right? Well, you know, the Lord told me I got to go do it. See, that's not a meek person. Uh, it, it, uh, people that are not meek always throw the Lord, uh, drop the name of the Lord. Well, the Lord said, that I had to do it. Anytime I hear people say, I had to do it. The spirit of the prophet is always subject to the prophet, right? Uh, and so, if you tell me you had to do it, what you're saying is you're excusing your your unkind actions about somebody. Well, I had to tell them. I had to tell them they were in sin. Yeah. No, you could not just to, you could have just not told them, right? Yeah. See, if you can't not tell them, you haven't developed meekness yet. Because yeah. a meek person can say, "Yeah, that person's sin. What are you doing about it?" Lord said, "Do nothing about it." Well, don't you think you should do something about it? No. Lord said, "Don't do anything about it." So I'm good. I'm quiet on the inside, right? Yeah. I don't get all riled up about it, you know, because they're they're in sin. Uh, I, can, I can see it and observe it and, and recognize it and still do nothing about it if that's what the Lord wants to do. My ultimate goal is always to restore, right? My ultimate goal is, but see, I may not be the person to restore. I may be the person to pray. And then somebody else may be on, in line to res- do the restoration, amen? We're, we're in a team, right? Amen? Uh, it's not for me to do everything. It's for the Lord to orchestrate everything as a head of the church. So with humility, with humility and meekness and long-suffering, Holding up one another in love. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, and then uh, one more verse and then, and then we'll go. Uh, turn over to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2 here. So, 2 Timothy chapter 2, he says in verse 24 And the servant of the Lord must not strive, uh, but be gentle unto how many? All, all, all men. Uh, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves if God, peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. So uh, if we're going to help those, I I always thought that was an interesting phrase, oppose themselves, right? You know, anytime you see somebody in sin, they're opposing themselves. Uh, Of course, they're in the church, right? So why are they opposing themselves? That doesn't make any sense, right? They're, you know... They're arguing with themselves, right? They're opposing themselves. Well, they are because their spirit man always wants to do right, amen. Their spirit man, they're born again. Their spirit man always wants to follow God, bless the Lord, walk straight, straight and narrow, always do everything according to the plan and will of God. Their flesh wants to do something else. Their flesh will always oppose their spirit, amen. Uh, and so, uh, those that yield to the flesh are in opposition to themselves because they're in opposition to their own spirit man. And that's why so many sinners are mad all the time. You ever notice sinners mad or unhappy? Why? Because they're in conflict every day. The spirit man wants to do this. And, and Christians are the worst, right? Because Christians have the greatest power of God living on the inside of them. At the same time, their flesh, they're yielding to the flesh all the time. That conflict causes them to be mean people. You ever seen mean Christians? I mean, the meanest people I've ever met have been in a church, right? The kindest people I've met have been in a church, too. But the meanest people are just, wow. I mean, because... They're just mad at themselves all the time. They're mad. They're opposing themselves. So Paul said in meekness, instructing. Hey, you know, um, you know, you can get out of this, right? Here's how to get out of this. So what's the goal? If you're instructing them, the goal is to help them get out of the situation. Amen. But see, you can't do that if you've got all kinds of strong opinions. Well, you know, I need to confront them. I need to tell them they're in sin. I need to, you know, do this, do that. And, uh, and the Lord's like. He's trying to get a word in edgewise, hey. Can you just tell them a couple of things that will help them right here? Just tell them one thing. Tell them God's good. You know, sometimes just telling somebody God's good, oh, yeah. telling somebody, telling somebody that God loves them. Yeah. Sometimes that's sufficient, right? Because mm-hmm. they're already that close to being restored and they're under that conflict. But but sometimes they just need the simplest thing to get them over the edge. Amen. Yeah. But see, a meek person uh, can hear that. But somebody who's not meek, they've already got, they've already formed the entire opinion about how it should be done and all these things. And uh, and and. Uh, you know, people like that, they're always bull in a china closet, right? Uh, uh, in a china shop, just, just, uh, just breaking everything and harming everybody. And, uh, but he said, in meekness, instructing those. So, so if you're going to instruct somebody, you've got to be quiet on the inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, it's been my observation that oftentimes the people that are opposing themselves are not no, very right. quiet, right? No. Uh, and getting in a word and edgewise sometimes is really difficult, right? But the Lord can help. He said, if peradventure, right? If maybe... God will give them repentance to acknowledging of the truth. So, you know, when people are in sin, they've got to uh, they know the truth, but they got to acknowledge and, and accept the truth. Right. Well, there's nothing wrong with what I'm doing. That is not true. That is not true. And until they can get to the truth, right, acknowledging the truth, because the only way that they can fully repent is that they can acknowledge that this is an absolute. And I and I violated that absolute. The church doesn't like absolutes, but the Bible is full of absolutes. Right. Thou shall not commit adultery. Is that an absolute? Well, I've got needs. Well, you know, I I love them, you know, and I don't love my wife anymore. And so, you know, it's okay. It's not okay. Just because those things, you know, uh, whatever you said, none of those things are true anyway. But um, but God is only able to give them repentance if they are willing to acknowledge a truth, right? So the maybe part is because of us, not because of God deciding, eh, maybe I will, maybe I won't. The maybe part is if they will actually acknowledge the truth that yes lord you are the only god in heaven i choose to to follow you so in in all of these cases here in galatians and ephesians and second timothy meekness is necessary to help people amen you're going to develop fruit of the spirit and especially in the area of meekness you can be a blessing to other people but if you're not meek if you're one who just wants to shoot everybody and kill the rest that's not very meek right and and you're going to end up with a lot of dead bodies around and not very many people helped amen you know that uh, all of these things are written to the church right All of these three situations are dealing with sin in the church. So is there sin in the church? Well, clearly there's sin in the church. Amen. Uh, And and there are people who really believe that the church will live without sin. You know, I don't know what planet they live on. But, you know, uh, why would Paul write all these things if these things weren't going on? Amen. Paul wrote all these three statements here. Uh, These things are going on in the church. The church needs help. Amen. Our primary focus should be advancing the kingdom of heaven, getting people into into heaven but, you know, people have got problems and they've got to be dealt with and we've got to help them and, and help them get to the, where they need, need to be, right? Uh, and those that are going to be used to the most to help other people will be those who are the most meek, mm-hmm. who, who have the best ability to help other people will be those who are the quietest on the inside to hear from heaven. Mm-hmm. If you're really loud and, got, and super opinionated about everything, the Lord it's hard for the Lord to use you to help other people because they're already buried in a backyard before the Lord even says anything, amen? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so... So we'll, um, uh, we'll pick this up next week because the other part about meekness is being able to, being able to receive from heaven. Amen? Uh, do you want to receive from heaven? Be good to be able to receive from heaven, right? Well, meekness will help us do that. And so, of course, Jesus said, uh, if you're meek, you're blessed, and you'll inherit the earth because you know, th- those that are not meek aren't going to make it. So, uh, but we want how to learn how to develop meekness. So we're going to look see what meekness is and some examples of that. And then we'll we'll talk a little bit about how to develop this, because in in my studying, meekness is one of the greatest uh, and probably underrated fruits of the spirit. Amen. Uh, But uh, uh, and I'm not the the meekest man in the world, but I've learned a few things about this and it has served me well over the years. Amen. Uh, And so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you, Father, that you said and declared in your word, Father, that blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And, Father, we choose to pursue meekness, to be quiet on the inside, Father. And if we're quiet, then we are teachable. We can hear from heaven. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this, uh, this morning's tithes and offerings. You know, when I was studying about this, uh, uh, I was reading some of the commentaries, and they said, well, meekness means you're poor. <laughs> That's, that doesn't make any sense, right? I mean... Uh, only the poor people can help people in sin. I mean, uh, you know, how does that even fit with the whole council of God? Right. Uh, well, let me go check my bank account up. Oh, sorry, I got a raise last week. Can't help you. Right. I mean, uh, I mean, what does that mean? Right. So uh, well, let's get ready to receive this morning's uh, tithes and offerings, like we said. And I want to mention, too, uh, for our Facebook friends, uh, there should be a link there. If uh, you want to be involved with that, uh, you can go to our website and you can give online as well. And so be OK if they get involved in that. Amen. Uh, and so uh, come ahead, Mr. Joe, to receive the offering, and if we want to we'll we 'll go um, break the chairs down after, after the service and we 'll go check out the sanctuary, see how it 's coming along amen um, and what's what 's that oh yeah that 's right we 're not breaking no chairs down what 's wrong with us right uh, and so uh, we 're leaving the chairs up and uh, and so then we' go straight up and see what 's going on amen all right yeah don 't forget we 've got healing school today at three o 'clock, right so um, is the Lord a healer? Yes, He's still a healer, Amen. Amen. All right, praise God. Well, let's see. Uh, um, so we're not doing anything, there, right? Yeah. All right, so yeah, yeah, we'll go eat somewhere too, right? So, all right, well, uh, oh yeah, don't forget the uh, the CDs back there, uh, and um, they're just there for your benefit. And uh, y'all be blessed. Have a wonderful week in the Lord, Amen.